Our game of the week is South Carolina State versus North Carolina A&T. I got three matchups, two storylines, and a key to victory for each team. Oh yeah, it's Locked on HBCU. Play my music. You are Locked on HBCU, your daily podcast covering HBCU sports. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on, family? Welcome back to another episode of the Locked on HBCU podcast, your number one. Daily one-stop shop for everything HBCU athletics, Monday through Friday, part of the Locked on podcast network, your team every day. And I, of course, am Darian Gray, a.k.a. the Mouth of the South, Texas Southern alum and former TSU Herald Sports editor. Thank you for going on this journey with me, making Locked on HBCU your first listen of the day. Every day in today's episode is brought to you by Underdog. Sign up on underdogfantasy.com with the promo code locked on and get your first deposit doubled up to $10 or more. And this is our game of the week. We're doing this every single Friday, right? So today's game of the week or this week's game of the week, I really should say, is South Carolina State versus North Carolina A&T. And I think this is major for both ball clubs for a couple of different reasons. And I'll go through them as we continue with the episode. Now, with that being said, I want to kick it off with our matchups. Now, the very first matchup that I want to illustrate kind of goes both ways. It's the same exact matchup, clearly with different players, on both sides of the ball and that's the running backs versus the linebackers and I think this might be the most important matchup mostly because I think both teams are going to want to run the ball and rightfully so their running backs are fantastic I think that both of these teams have running backs that if you want to lean on the running game and really have that be your engine I think you can do it and not only that I feel as if both of these teams leading running backs the guy that we're going to talk about I feel like they both proven that they can be the engine in a time when you really need them. So let's go ahead and start off with South Carolina State because Kendrell Flowers had a phenomenal game versus Bethune-Cookman, including a big 67-yard rush. And I actually believe that stopping the explosive plays is not going to be something we state here outside of right now. However, I do feel as if that might be an underrated key to victory specifically for North Carolina A&T. That's not going to be ours. So I guess we just kind of have a bonus there. But I feel as if eliminating those big plays don't allow 67-yard rushes, don't allow 70-yard completions, 60-yard completions. Those are things that Bethune-Cookman did that really stunted any kind of defensive momentum they could have had. But let's keep it right here with the running backs versus the the linebackers and flowers had 153 yards on the ground including that big time rush that i mentioned and then you look at well right there he proved he could be the engine of the offense like i was saying but then if you look at north carolina a and t side and you got bashul tootin and i believe that he might be the only good thing that's come from north carolina a and t on the offensive side over the last two weeks you look at his um game against Duke, he had over 100 yards, had 133 yards on 13 carries. You look at his game versus North Dakota State, he had 127 yards, I believe, on 24 carries. So you're looking at an average of five yards a carry against North Dakota State, 10 yards a carry versus Duke, which is a power five school, right? 
So now you look at everything else that the offense was able to do, and it's all poor. Both of these running backs have the ability because they have shown themselves to be the engine for an offense. And I understand that it wasn't successful on North Carolina A&T's part. However, I think that has more to do with the fact that they're going against such a higher level of competition and less with the fact that North Carolina A&T just can't be successful with that running back. And then the linebackers, they got two really good linebackers in this game. And it's, it's crazy, right? Or they got four good linebackers, two on each side. South Carolina State has a pairing of Big Five alumni, B.J. Davis, who, listen, this guy had two interceptions last time they got on the field against Bethune-Cookman. One was returned for a touchdown, so he's a monster in pass coverage, but we're kind of focusing on the run game here. He's the leading tackler on the team, and he's always flying around. The athleticism is shown. That's one of the reasons that I mentioned not just the fact that he could have athleticism, but also the fact that he knows how to make game-changing plays is why I mentioned those interceptions that he had. And he also had Aaron Smith, his partner in crime, and Coach Saxon, the defensive coordinator, says that this guy is really learning the defense and coming into his own. He got praise from that side. So he's actually their leader in solo tackle, Smith is. So these two could have a long day for two, but don't think that Flowers is going to have it easy at all. And we're going at links about this because this is the key matchup to me more than the other two. This is the numero uno. Unless we see a tendency broken, I think you're going to see uh, a heavy influx of the running game from both the Aggies and the Bulldogs. And then also, North Carolina A&T got themselves a pair of linebackers as well. Jacob Roberts came in, and he had a lot of buzz around him in the in the offseason. Everybody was getting preseason HBCU All-American, preseason uh, All-Big South. And he's lived up to it. He's had a good year. But the guy next to him, uh, Taekwon King has stolen the show. He's had 33 tackles on the season, including two tackles for a loss. He's the leader in solo tackles, and his assists are higher than pretty much everybody's combined tackles. This man, and it's not like he just had one great game either. He's only had one game of the three that he had less than 10 tackles, and that was nine tackles on the day versus North Dakota State. So it's evenly spread out. He's averaging 11 tackles per game. And Kendra Flowers is going to make contact with Mr. King quite a few times before that game is over. That's a pretty safe prediction on there. Now, Jablonski Green versus the North Carolina a and protection is another one that I'm looking at because I can't specify to a specific person. The guard, the tackle are both going to be on him. But then one thing that I think that we really need to watch, and hopefully I'm able to catch some of this game. I'm not sure if I'll be on the road or not. I'll be uh, in San Antonio covering the UTSA versus TSU game this weekend. So I might not be able to catch it. This come on. This comes on at 7 o'clock Central, I believe. It's either 7 Central or 7 Eastern. So if you can check this out, check it out. But I'll be interested to see how much they send help to Green. So I would help, I mean, a tight end on the side of the tackle a running back coming to do a chip block. I'll be interested to see those things. And Green is a monster in run protection or run game and passing game. And he has tackles for a loss. He had a tackle and a half for a loss, and he had a sack and a half, both against Bethune-Cookman. And he also had a half tackle for a loss against um, Central Florida. So this is a player who you know is going to be disruptive. You have to stop him. I think that defensive line disruption is probably worse than any other spot because it messes up everything that you want to do the quarterback can get antsy and Jaeger does not need to be antsy at all 
And then lastly, you got Shaq Davis versus the North Carolina A&T cornerbacks. And this is a matchup that I want to watch because you kind of see the same sentiment here as the last time. It's Jablonski Green versus protection because he could be on a multitude of different players. And then you look at Shaq Davis versus cornerbacks because, yeah, North Carolina A&T has a, a preseason all-conference quarterback in Karan Prunty, but I don't know how often they're going to have him on Davis. I don't know if they're going to shadow. I don't know if they'll just play sides. I don't know what the game plan will be. So you could see Prunty on Davis a lot. Now it's Davis versus Prunty. That's the matchup. But unless we know that, Davis could move around, and if they don't follow, he'll be going against a bunch of, bunch of different guys, all of which are going to have the same responsibility of slowing him down he had one catch down the field last week only one well one catch period and it was down the field yeah it was an 80 yard bomb yeah of course it was a good play however when you look at what the game plan i think will be for this upcoming game this is what coach uh bennett swigert had to say about this is the offense coordinator about what they're going to do he said i have to do a better job of getting Corey. Corey fields the quarterback um, some easy completions early. When you miss a few early, it's hard to build confidence. We're continuing to see what we can do better than everyone, or excuse me, do better to get everyone in the flow of the offense and recognize our strengths. Now, if we're talking about easy completions, that doesn't quite go to the down the field metric. And I know that Shaq Davis can do more than just stretch the field. However, I feel like that's when his biggest plays come. Those are his highlight, his standout moments. We'll see how long they're going to get him easy completion before they go down the field. But also, they might just adjust and have him run shorter routes because you got to get him into a rhythm as well. He's only had three catches on the season through two games and only one against Bethune-Cookman where you thought he might pick it up a little bit. You have to get him the ball more. And this goes for a lot of people, but specifically him right now because that is your stud wide receiver. And you have to make sure that he's in the game plan. You have to make sure that he's accustomed to getting the ball and not getting lazy on the outside. Like, man, the ball is never coming to me. I saw that in the LSU Florida State game where the star receiver wasn't getting much attention and seemed like he got frustrated and he ended up missing a touchdown that hit him right in the side because he was running the route without much focus so these things do play a part and you want to make sure that your guys dialed in and we have two storylines because excuse me we have two storylines because this is our game of the week and we're going to keep rolling keep rolling keep rolling but before i do that today's episode was brought to you by underdog fantasy and they are the easiest place to spice up your college football season and you can also do it while you're watching your favorite team no matter who it is so here's the thing you have to pick a player and you pick an over. So I might pick Drake May with the the over on passing yards. Or I might pick uh, Kayshawn Butte on the under on the receiving yards, right? So we might do things like that. Just go to underdogfantasy.com and make sure you pick your players. And you just have to pick the over, under. You get two to five guys. It's really simple, to be honest. It's easy to play and available in 30 states. And it's one of the easiest fantasy games you're going to play period does not matter what you're talking about sign up with the promo code locked on as one word and underdog will double your first deposit up to a hundred dollars which means deposit a hundred get a hundred back free just go to underdogfantasy.com or the underdog fantasy app understand that it's underdog fantasy promo code locked on and get in on the college football pick em action
As we keep on rolling on today's episode of Locked on HBCU, I appreciate you for making us your first listen of the day every day. And today's word of the day is defer, meaning to put off, right? So we have two storylines on the day, and they're both, I guess, kind of South one South Carolina State related, kind of, and then the other is really North Carolina A&T related. Now, the first storyline could sound kind of like a duh moment but it's the outcome and I don't just mean what's the final score or what's the final verdict who won who lost I mean everything that happens in between kind of more so the score because North Carolina Central has already played this team and North Carolina Central recently in my opinion in the opinion of the voters has escalated themselves to being the number one team in the MEAC this is the first similar opponent that we're going to see, like opponent, same opponent, however you want to phrase it. This is the first time that we're going to see North Carolina ANC and South Carolina State in situations that are kind of comparable, right? So Central played ANC to start off the season. Obviously, this is our game of the week. So South Carolina State is playing ANC on Saturday, but you can't help but compare the two. We all kind of assume that the the Mid-Eastern Athletic Conference is going to come down to the Carolinas and it's going to come down to Central versus South Carolina State. We just kind of assume that's what it's going to be. No disrespect to to Howard, no disrespect to, to Morgan State, Delaware State, no disrespect to them at all. Norfolk State, it's, it, they just haven't, Norfolk State hasn't looked good. Howard hasn't looked good. Um, Morgan State just got their first victory. Shout out to them, no disrespect. Um but overall, we just look at these as the two top dogs, right? But rather than defer judgment to when these teams actually play, we want to have a little bit of context, right? There's there's context that, context that makes every single game different. You know, that's the pregame side of it where, okay, these two teams haven't faced off. They faced off last year. Let's talk about last year's game. But then also, they both played North Carolina Central or North Carolina A&C. North Carolina Central defeated ANC by 15 points. We'll see what South Carolina State does. I understand it all comes down to the head-to-head matchup, but I think we're all smart enough to know that ain't all is going to be. So let's say State or South Carolina State knocks off ANT by three. Or let's say they lose. Best believe Central fans are going to feel empowered because either we beat this team worse or we beat this team, period, something you weren't able to do. We are the best team. And this means nothing other than bragging rights and trash talk. Now, if you look at South Carolina State and they come and blow the doors off and knock them off by like 28 points or something, now you're looking at a situation where, yeah, all right, y'all got all these other wins, but when we played the same opponent, y'all seen how we did North Carolina A&T. Now, it's a rivalry game. It's a different dynamic, but that ain't going to matter. Right. That is not going to matter at all. So I just feel like that's something interesting for us to watch. Just the outcome and compare it to North Carolina Central, because I think these are the two top dogs and they're going to face somebody who is very similar. So with that being said, let's get into our second um, storyline that we're going to be looking at. And that is can North Carolina A&T win a game? They're looking to get on the win board for the first time. They have yet to win. They lost to North Dakota State. They lost to Duke. They lost to North Carolina Central. They're off to an 0-3 start. And honestly, the only game I even expected them to compete in was the opener against Central. 
North Dakota State, with all due respect, is the best team in the country. You weren't going to knock them off. I just didn't expect it. This was kind of a, a see-where-you're-at game. They have get-right games. They got they got money games. But to me, this was a see-where-I'm-at game. And, well, it, it wasn't great. It wasn't great. But it is what it is. You, you do that. You go out there and you compete. Sometimes you play against teams that you're not quite sure you're going to beat. But it's just a challenge to yourself. So, and that's, I feel like that's what they did. You know, I feel like that's what Tennessee State, when they're talking about playing North Dakota State, I feel like the a, a, a couple of these teams, when you play in some of these upper FCS schools, specifically the number one in the, in the, in the country, you're kind of just trying to see where you're at. And if you knock them off, you knock them off. You got the upset. But overall, you're not really, that's not really what the, the mission is or the goal is, to be honest. But, um, Overall, you had those games that I felt were heavily stacked. They weren't beating Duke. That's I'm not even talking about that. But then you look at Central, and it's a rivalry game. They lost a streak. They had a winning streak versus Central. They also have a winning streak against South Carolina State. That's up for grabs. They haven't lost this game since 2015. I wonder if uh, special teams will come into play because Coach Pooh was talking about uh, about how just Pew, excuse me, uh, just just how these. Special team moments throughout the the series since 2015, whether that been a, a botched uh, extra point or a fake punt, things like that, right? Just plays stick out, and special teams were a couple of them. So going down 0-4 is also on the mind of A&T. And honestly, I think if we're talking about from a, a mental standpoint, I think the idea of a bad start is more on their mind than the idea of a streak. It's kind of the idea that the present is more important than the past because even if we nine and one in that last ten years, right? That doesn't matter. We're zero and three now. We're just we're just throwing out numbers. Um, we're zero and three now. We can't go down zero and four going into conference play. That's just not acceptable. So that's what I think their mission will be. I think there'll be a sense of desperation. So South Carolina State is going to have to weather an early storm, and we'll see if they're able to do that. But that's something that I think is going to be key to watch. What's that sense of desperation at the beginning of the game? And then also, man, can they finally get a victory? They both kind of result to the to the outcome of the game, but just expressed in different ways. And going forward, we're going to talk about the key to victory for each team. It's different, not the same one for each team as we've done in the past sometimes. South Carolina State and North Carolina A&T both independently have their own key to victory. And this is how they're going to have to get it done. As we're wrapping up today's episode of Locked on HBCU, I appreciate you for making us your first listen of the day every single day. Truly from the bottom of my heart, thank you. But I want to talk about these keys to victory, and I'm going to start off with South Carolina State. You got to be two-dimensional on offense. You have to have a two-dimensional offense. I feel like that's a key to victory. I feel like that's a key to ensuring victory, to be honest. Um, I want to go back through a, through a quote that I had when talking about Shaq Davis because I did feel like it was a a, a storyline that could 
progress and could kind of feed into this key to victory. And let's talk about what the offensive coordinator said about the flow of the offense. He said, I have to do a better job getting Corey some easy completions. When you miss a few early, it's hard to build confidence. We're going to continue to see what we can do better to get everyone in the flow of the offense and recognize our strengths. So that being said, what are your strengths? What are your strengths? Is the passing game a strength for you? Maybe it isn't. Like, maybe that's just not what you do well this year. Maybe you have to rely on Kendrill Flowers. Maybe that's just the case. And that's okay because Flowers is a pretty good running back. We saw it against Bethune-Cookman. You don't want to do that. You don't want to do that. I think that you might even be able to win this game with great defense and great running, but you just don't want to put that kind of stress on your running back. Let's develop a two dimensional system where you can pass the ball well and that doesn't just go for Shaq Davis you know like Shaq Davis has to get in the mix as well however Shaq Davis had 30 something yards against against University of Central Florida if he didn't catch another pass he would still be the leading receiver for the Bulldogs and that's unacceptable there's no reason that after Davis the next leading receiver should be in the 20s we have to get some of these guys going when it says easy completions it's not just to see Corey Davis get some confidence under underneath them It's also for the for the wide receivers It's also for the running backs who might have to catch out the backfield everybody has to be a part of getting this this going it can't just be Shaq Davis as the main guy and then also North Carolina ANC it's a little bit different but kind of word is similar you got to get your quarterback comfortable like I said in ways this is slightly similar they kind of are the same but when you really break it down one's more about the offense as a whole and one's about a singular player Zach Yeager I think that Zach Yeager needs confidence he's a red shirt freshman you know Corey Fields was a starting quarterback on the celebration bowl team he won a big time game I think he just needs to you know just get some stuff together they need to fix some things maybe with the play calling just to get the the offense flowing early Zach Yeager is a red shirt freshman he does not have any success in his career period he hasn't won a game you know so you're looking at this where they're 0-3 this year I don't say he has no success in his in his career but he has no success as an Aggie really you look they lost to Central they played North Dakota State they played Duke this man needs some confidence you're talking about Corey Fields need confidence. Jaeger needs confidence. I, I related to a, a shooter in basketball where they say he just needs to see the ball go through the hoop. Even if it's a free throw, even if it's a drive worth of dinking dunks, right? Maybe you're not pushing the ball downfield, whatever the case may be. He just needs to see the ball go through the hoop. That's what Zach Jaeger needs because until then, I mean, there's going to be a question if, if, he, if he can even do it. That's going to be a question. And if you look at these games where they've been faltering, like I said, Tootin is the only real good thing that's been coming out of the last couple of games for ANT. If that continues to be the case and Jaeger doesn't perform, somebody's confidence is likely going to waver. I don't know if that's going to be Jaeger's. I don't know if that's going to be the coach's, but neither one is good. If Jaeger's confidence is wavering, then he's not going to play well. He's just not. He's not going to have that moxie. I feel like confidence is an important position or excuse me, I feel like confidence is an important part of being a quarterback. You got to have that that certain moxie. If he continues to play the way he has been playing, then somebody's confidence is going to waver, waver, whether that's Jaeger or the confidence or confidence of the coaching staff. The coaching staff loses confidence, he's getting benched. Jaeger loses confidence, his poor 
play is going to continue and it might lead to him being benched. You got to get this guy some confidence. I think they do want him to be the man, but you got to make sure that you help him be the guy. Every quarterback should not have to be a hero. Some quarterbacks are going to need help. Every quarterback deserves to get help, right? So let's make sure that Jaeger is being helped to at least where you can say we tried everything with this guy. That's my stance on it. And one quick hit around the HBCU landscape, and that is that Virginia Union did crack the D2 top 25. I believe it's a week too late, but whatever. Who am I to be upset about them being in the top 25? Who cares about the timetable? Let's just acknowledge the fact that they are there, and Union made it. So they had a big-time victory over Valdosta State, and I think that they are more than deserving of being a top 25 team. That brings that to four teams um, Union, Central, Jackson State, and then also Albany State, who are all ranked in the top 25 of the respective subdivisions. So that's our little one quick hit around the HBCU landscape. Tomorrow, 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 tomorrow on Saturday, make sure you are checking out this game. This is our game of the week. Drop your score predictions below. Let me know who you think is going to win and then also the score that you're predicting and i appreciate you for making us your first listen of the day every day for your second listen of the day make sure you are checking out our conference shows and we'll be back on monday to break down this game of the week in all the big time action over the weekend in week four now in the meantime in between time if you're looking for me you can find me on twitter at south exclusives until the next time that we hear each other family take care stay blessed peace